Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guests. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. I compute and obey. Now, to Dave Hooker. Ready. Was there anything to talk about in June? Perhaps so. How about a whole new SEC schedule rolled out winners and losers? The SEC schedule also, we will break down Tennessee's home and away opponents as the Vols are probably somewhere in the middle as far as winners and losers. Also, did the SEC look out for Texas and Oklahoma the new programs to join the SEC. And did they spite Alabama? Because Alabama, I believe, was the fly in the ointment back in SEC spring meetings. And i tell you what, do they look out for Georgia? Does the SEC look out for Georgia? Because that is now the premier, no question about it, program in the SEC. So we've got a lot to get to. And Mark Thomas will join us from Zen Sports. We're so excited uh, to be associated with Zen Sports, and it's a whole new way of gambling. Go ahead and download the app now. Zen Sports is the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way that you earn sports betting rewards with Zen Sports. Your rewards are cash rewards. You bet with real money, and now you are rewarded with it too. And if you use the promo code hooked the promo code hooked 
Uh, you can get a whopping 5% cash back welcome bonus for your first 15 days. Use that promo code. Keep betting, keep earning. Every month after that, you get up to 3% cash back rewards on your betting volume. It's all new. It's all awesome. Again, Zen Sports, download the app. Download the app. You will absolutely love it. Betting just got better. Call 1-800-889-9789. For any gambling problems, terms and conditions apply, must be 21 and up, and Tennessee to bet. So if I were asking you, because we will have peer-to-peer gambling uh, coming up later, thanks to Zen Sports, to bet on Tennessee's eight SEC opponents right now, Caleb Calhoun, where would you stand on Tennessee finishing? First, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. I am doing very good. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm well, off and running with a a lot of news. So right now, home, Alabama, Florida, Kentucky, Mississippi State, away, Arkansas, Georgia, Oklahoma, Vanderbilt. Let me ask you, where would you put the over-under if we were placing an over-under on those eight games? Your thoughts? I'd set the over-under at 6.5. Six and a half. That's my move. Yes, six and a half. And... I think Tennessee fans should be thrilled with the schedule. I mean, absolutely thrilled. So let's think about what was going to happen here. You were going to have to play Texas or Oklahoma. Every team was going to have to play Texas or Oklahoma. So playing Oklahoma on the road, it's not a big deal. You actually had a, you had a non-conference opponent. You had a non-conference game with Oklahoma scheduled originally that was canceled because they joined the SEC. So really nothing changes there. And you get all five of your rivals that you care about. Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Vanderbilt, Kentucky. Depending on when you became a Tennessee fan, one of those teams is your biggest rival that you hate the most. And you get all five of them. And and part of that all five means you get to play Vanderbilt and Kentucky still. And then the other games you, the other draws you get are Arkansas and Mississippi State. Two programs that I think Arkansas is losing KJ Jefferson after this year. And Sam Pittman, that, that program seems a little bit in trouble with Sam Pittman. And, I mean, we look, Mississippi State is a disaster right now. Obviously, a very tragic situation that happened there. But they're not going to be a good program in 2024. So you couldn't really ask for a better draw if you're Tennessee than this. That's true. But we do have to look at this as a one-year thing because I, I believe it could change in the future. So as I don't – when we look at a lot of these schedules, it's like the old Tennessee-Alabama debate over whether or not Alabama should be on the schedule. And there's times that Alabama fans didn't want Tennessee on the schedule because Tennessee was dominating that in a streaky series. So we have to kind of look at this in a one-year version because I believe that it will change at some point, might even go to the nine-game schedule of permanent opponents at some point. So when I look at home Alabama, that was going to happen anyway. Home Florida, that was going to happen Anyway, uh, Kentucky helped me with the years. Uh, Kentucky was would have been on the road, right? They would, they would have been at home next year, and they're, home, they're still at home. And Vanderbilt okay. would have been on the road next year, and they're still on the road. Okay, so Kentucky, nothing changes there. So you add Mississippi State at home, which should be a win. Away you go to Arkansas, which is a tougher place to play than a lot of people think. But still, Tennessee should be able to win that game. You go to Georgia, which you would have done anyway, and you go to Oklahoma. So 
Uh, Tennessee is able to draw Oklahoma out of the Texas-Oklahoma bid because every team was going to play either Texas-Oklahoma. And I'm not sold on Steve Sarkeesian right now at Texas. I'm not sold on that program, but I'm more sold on it than Oklahoma with Brent Venables, who I think is kind of stumbling along trying to find his head coaching sea legs. And I, I, I just don't know how it could have gone better. You add... Oklahoma essentially is your road game. That's essentially the difference in the schedule and Arkansas. I know that as well, but I I mean, on the road against Oklahoma, Tennessee, you would think would have a great chance and probably be favored in winning that game. I'm with you. I think the schedule and everybody's going to fuss about this and that and whatever, but there, there are some clear cut winners and clear cut losers we'll get to. I don't know that Tennessee's a clear-cut winner, but I think they're in the top third of the SEC of fans that should be happy with that schedule. Let's hear from you on the message board. What do you think of the schedule? But, Caleb, I think they're they're right up there. Travis says, I'm just happy Georgia is going to play a legit five games. It's possible for Alabama and or Georgia to have three or four losses. Florida has a tough schedule, according to the message board. Uh, South Carolina has not played UGA three times since 1948. I just hate not playing them next year. There are a lot of things that are going to go uh, out of style, out of fashion, and out of tradition with this schedule. But when I look at Tennessee, I think fans should come away very, very happy. And we'll get to the guys that got the business here in a little bit because Oklahoma and Alabama did. Uh, So, yeah, I think Tennessee's in good shape. And your thoughts overall on the schedule? Yeah, no, I think Tennessee's in great shape. I am with SC Scout guy. That South Carolina Georgia's a rivalry that predates South Carolina joining the SEC. Yes, Georgia Georgia kind of owns that, but that's like it's the Low Country rivalry. You know, for those who don't know the South, Low Country South is a little bit different from Delta South, which is a little bit different from Appalachia South, which is a little bit different from Florida South. And I don't know, Georgia South Carolina. That's like I, I like to call that the Low Country champion. And so for them to get rid of that kind of was a gut punch. But. Yeah, and I don't think – I mean, I think I think some people got hosed, and we're going to talk about that, but I definitely don't think Tennessee did. And listen, here's the simple fact. The schedule is going to look tougher on June the 15th than it did on June the 13th because you're adding a Texas and Oklahoma in and of itself. Those are storied programs. They might be up or might be down at this current time, but you're adding significant programs. So – you shouldn't have woken up this morning and thought to yourself, Hey, this is going to be as easy of a schedule as you had in June, the early part of June. It's going to be more difficult. Yeah, exactly. And well, yes, it's theoretically supposed to be more difficult, but it's still eight conference games and it's still spread out a little bit. So, I mean, I still challenge if it is more difficult. I mean, when I both have major questions about Oklahoma and Brent Venables. So, the fact that Tennessee gets to play Oklahoma next year, that Dave, I got a question. Are we sure that Oklahoma is a harder draw than South Carolina next year? I think, well, um, not, not long term, just next year. Just next year, I think they're they're pretty equal. I, and listen, this is the Dave that said that Shane Beamer was going to be on the hot the hot seat uh, early November. Okay, so. That's how far I've come on South Carolina. 
No, I, I think as far as just next year, going to South Carolina and going to Oklahoma are a coin flip. Yes, uh, I, I agree. I agree. The big the big win was not having to play Texas, quite honestly. And so I, I think Tennessee is – look, I think they should love this schedule. I think they should absolutely love it. And it because, again, you couldn't get – Given what we knew they were going to have Tennessee play, given the teams we knew they were going to have to play, of the teams we didn't know, this was the easiest draw they could have possibly asked for. I mean, the easiest draw. Yeah, I'm just going to say it. I think the SEC is looking out for Josh Heupel because Tennessee fans enjoy this. You're you're not going to be able to complain that much longer about about uh, the establishment of college football hating you because Josh Heupel's too entertaining to watch. They want Josh Heupel to do well. Okay, well, that leads us to four downs. How about that? We get to four downs where we will discuss the winners of the latest schedule. Four downs today brought to you by our friends at Craft Treats, crafttreats.com. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Bounds. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. All right, so four downs. Let's take a look at what I believe are the four winners of the SEC schedule that was announced last night. So I want to go ahead and start with Tennessee because you led us in that direction. So, Cooper Mays, Tennessee Center, and a part of Off the Hook Sports. Let's go ahead and get it rolling with first down. Coop here, first down. Did the SEC look out for Tennessee because if Tennessee's better as a football program, the SEC and college football is better? Do you think they looked out for Tennessee, or is just this just how it felt? That's first down. I think they looked out for Tennessee. I think they looked out for Tennessee because Josh Heupel hasn't rubbed anybody the wrong way. So he hasn't rubbed any SEC officials the wrong way. The college football world needs Tennessee to be good. And most importantly, Tennessee's fun to watch. I mean, being fun to watch matters. Okay. Let's, I mean, we, we used to talk about anybody watched the, anybody watched the NBA finals would agree with you. Exactly. There's a reason that Jokic gets snubbed a lot of times. He's the best player in the NBA by far. He ain't the most fun player to watch. <laughs> and, no, he is, he is not a highlight reel at <laughs> all. And Dave, you know this covering, when when all the SEC teams got snubbed in different ways in the 90s, Florida was the one SEC team that was a Mia darling. They got all the love. Why? Because Spurrier's offenses were fun to watch, and Spurrier himself was fun to interview. That's true. But a lot of Alabama fans in the 90s thought that Tennessee got the better end of several deals because Roy Kramer lived in Maryville and he was the SEC commissioner back then. So I I don't know that I believe it back then. I do believe though that the SEC wants Tennessee to be good. And that's, you can take that as you want. I know we've got fans from other schools, but I believe that let's go to second down. Coop, what do we got? Cooper Mays here. Second down. Thanks Coop. Did the SEC look out for Georgia, Georgia at home, We'll play Auburn, Florida, Mississippi State, Tennessee, away, Alabama, Kentucky, Ole Miss, and Texas. Did they look out the SEC office for the preeminent program in college football at this moment? No, I think there's a random draw, honestly. 
I do. I, I it's I don't think they have an incentive to look out for Georgia. The SEC's loaded with teams that are going to be fine next year. They don't need Georgia or them. I think I think it just happened that way. And also, we talk about fun to watch versus not fun to watch. Georgia's the anti-Tennessee. They're dominant, but they're not fun in it. They're not dominant in a fun way. They are the most boring dominant team, the way Alabama was in the early 2010s. You don't want that if you're SEC or college football. Yeah, with road games to Alabama and Texas, I don't think they looked out for them. I would still have them as a winner, though. I would in, too. in this, would you would you agree that they're a winner? Yeah, yes, they're absolutely a winner. I mean, th- they are the winner. Nobody got a better draw than Georgia, even with the road games to Alabama and Texas. It's but, but you don't. Okay, but it's, but it's funny you don't think it was orchestrated. Why? Yeah. Okay, I don't think it was orchestrated because. Look, I think if you're, I think there are three premier teams long term. There are four premier long term teams in the SEC right now, Dave. I think the four premier teams are Georgia, Alabama, LSU, and Tennessee. If you're one of those premier teams, it gets hard to get a hard draw because you can't play yourself. Fair point. Fair point. Um, before we get to third down, I remind you support our sponsors, crafttreats.com. They have the chill pills with the CBD derivative for your pet, the best pet treats you can find on the internet. And with the CBD derivatives, they can help your pet with uh, arthritis, anxiety, or digestive issues. And crafttreats.com is fantastic. Not only the chill pills with CBD, they've got other products as well. Your pet will be happy that you went to crafttreats.com. Use the promo code off the hook to get 20% off. Off the hook, 20% off. Support our sponsors. We greatly appreciate that. Third down, Caleb Calhoun and Cooper Mays. What do you got? Tennessee Center, Cooper Mays here. Third down. Yes. Okay. LSU, are they a winner? I say hands down. Home, Alabama, Ole Miss, Oklahoma, Vanderbilt. So they get Oklahoma at home. That's the big change in the schedule. Away, Arkansas, Florida, South Carolina, Texas A&M. I don't know if they're going to be a winner in 2025 and beyond because Texas A&M could fire Jimbo Fisher and uh, A&M could end up being really good because of the money and the talent level in that state. But as same thing for Florida, I could say that as well. But when I look at LSU for 2024, I think they're a big winner in this thing. Florida's trying to find themselves. They should beat Arkansas. I think they're a more talented team than South Carolina. Texas A&M is really trying to find themselves. And then you have Alabama at home, and your added opponent was Oklahoma, and that's at home as well. I think they're a big winner. Agree? Disagree? Gigantic winner. Gigantic. I to disagree on some of these things, no, Calhoun. What are you doing, Jimmy? I'm sorry, but he, okay. Here's the funny thing with LSU, though. They could have been more of a winner. So for those who don't know, so LSU has a lot of rivalries that the SEC's tried to force that hasn't happened naturally. Right now, it's Texas A&M. Another one is Arkansas. Neither one of those are really natural rivalries, if you know LSU football. Their most natural rivalries are then you have the LSU Florida rivalry, which has its own history in LSU Alabama, which was the stakes in the SEC. But there's no regional natu- natural rivalry. So historically, long-term, their two biggest ones are actually the two Mississippi schools, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Because, as you know, Dave, that southwestern part of the original SEC, Louisiana and Mississippi, that border is very interchangeable. The culture is very, very similar right around there. 
uh, along the yep. Gulf Coast. And they they didn't they they lost Mississippi State, which would have been an easy game. And they picked up, I think, probably South Carolina and Mississippi State's place. So it could have been easier. If the SEC Before we get the fourth down, the first uh, comment that I've seen, at least from Top Troop, I do not want to hear anything about these other teams having an easy patch of the championship. Why not us go balls? So I think uh, maybe unlike some people who like to gripe on uh, Twitter, that top troop sees it as we do, and that is Tennessee got a fantastic draw. Let's go to fourth down. Cooper Mace, what down again, sir? All SEC center Cooper Mays here. Fourth down. Thank you, Coop. Fourth down is this. Texas A&M, home Arkansas, LSU, Missouri, and Texas away, Auburn, Florida, Mississippi State, South Carolina. I don't know that it says anything about the future of Jimbo Fisher or the Aggies, but I think Texas A&M is a winner. You? Yes, but they're not the biggest winner in Texas. But, yes, they're a winner. Okay, here we go then. So fourth down, I'm changing it on the fly. Who is the biggest winner in Texas? What about that for an audible, Coop? Do you, do you like that? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. <laughs> go. All right. So Texas is the biggest winner? Texas is the biggest winner. Let's just look at this Texas draw for a minute. By the way, I named now they're both close because here's what I want to bring this up real quick. Texas North Texas A&M is one of the four premier teams in the SEC right now as a program. You know how lucky those two schools are to only play one premier program each? Texas plays Georgia and Texas A&M plays LSU. Those are the only premier programs either of them plays, which is hilarious. They both avoid Alabama. They both avoid Tennessee. But Texas is getting Georgia at home. They're also getting Florida, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Texas A&M and Oklahoma on the road, literally outside of Georgia. I think every one of those programs, the only program that may not fire their coach in 2024 is Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, I mean, this is like giddy fun. Have you thought about this? I mean, Caleb, let's, is there a way? I don't think you can do this, but the NFL does it. A schedule reveal. The NFL's goal about 10 years ago, maybe before that, was to have an event each and every month. And they've pretty much done that, whether it's guys reporting for OTAs or whatever. So the SEC, we've seen, that's why they moved SEC Media Days up to July, the middle of July. That, and I think it's, it's, it's fallen into place, too, with early signing periods and all that and transfers. And now June is a recruiting month. Um but is there a way that the SEC could put together a schedule reveal in mid-June each and every year? Or, or they have? I guess they have to set it, right? Well, once they, once they do the 3-6 format, which me and you are very confident they're going to get to eventually, even if they couldn't this year, you're going to know who they're playing on a year-over-year year basis. I, I know, but this is fun. <laughs> okay, and the NFL does set the dates, so the SEC could set the dates in June. They could be like, we're going to do the, the scheduling reveal in June. And I mean, I think that would be fun. And also when they go to ESPN next year, locked in with ESPN, they could do like a, they could reveal like one set, one set TV game is already set. The time is already set for one game every week of the year. Okay. All right. Losers. Let's get to losers right now. And that's part of uh, today's tough question. Who lost in the SEC schedule reveal Today's tough question brought to you by our friends at 
Bassy Lawn and Garden, man alive, it is worth the drive. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. Who's the biggest loser? Caleb Calhoun. I've got my four that I want to go through, but we didn't share at our 3.30 a.m. production meeting who is the biggest loser of this group. And let me hear from the message board. What do you got? Biggest losers, Caleb Calhoun. My biggest loser by far actually is Florida. Florida got a brutal draw, man. I mean, I know everybody, I mean, Yes, I know people want to say Bama. Bama got a brutal draw. The reason Florida got a more brutal draw is because Bama's a premier program. So, again, Bama can't play themselves. But you know who can play Bama is Florida. They don't play Bama, but they got Georgia and Tennessee on the road and LSU at home. So they got three of the four premier programs they have to play. So we shared a comment. D says, Bama got hammered, and I definitely want to get to that because they did. To me, Alabama got hammered the most. And I think the SEC clearly was out to spite Alabama, uh, depending on who you ask. And we had Jimmy Himes one that said he thought that Alabama was a part of the fly in the ointment that precluded the nine game schedule. I think that they were more than that. I think they were the impetus behind that. And depending on who you ask, uh, some people agree with me. Some people agree with Jimmy. And I, I mean, Jimmy's reporting is fantastic. Not questioning that at all. But I just think if that never happens, if Nick Saban never says, I don't like this uh, nine-game schedule or I've got a problem, whatever, I don't think the boulder starts rolling down the hill as it did in SEC spring meetings. So I'm going to go with Alabama as the biggest loser. And I think that the SEC did in some way spite Alabama. Uh, So you've got home Auburn, Georgia, Missouri, South Carolina, away LSU, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Vanderbilt. So essentially, Alabama plays the three teams in Tennessee, LSU, and Georgia that it did not want to play with the nine game schedule. That's not an accident. That's not an accident, no. Caleb. No, not plus they get to they play Auburn, of course, regularly. And the, the one thing I'll say is they did get the better draw of the Texas Oklahoma crowd because they got to play Oklahoma. And I think Texas is tougher. And Vanderbilt is still on that schedule, as is Missouri. But yeah, no, th- this is this was a group. Ju- now, the more I think about it, I, I bring up the the premier teams. Do you know how hard it is to play three premier teams when you're one of the premier teams? That means you played the all, all the other three. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. And you know Auburn's going to be better, and they get up for that game. But and that'll be usually. You, you... Go ahead. That'll be Hugh Freeze's second year. Look, I, I do not like Hugh Freeze. I think very, 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 very lowly of him. But he's going to do a good job there. In 2024, they're going to be good. Yeah, and Alabama usually handles Auburn at home, but you're right. Hugh Freeze the second year, so we were thinking along this the same lines. Usually that's a closer game. When Alabama's really good and Auburn's not so good, it's usually a close game on the Plains, but it's not a close game in Tuscaloosa. I don't think that matters because it's Hugh Freeze's second year, so I'm with you. I would still have Florida as my uh, as one of my biggest losers. You mentioned that home Kentucky, LSU, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, away Georgia, Mississippi State, Tennessee, and Texas. I'm just looking at that. Those eight teams, 
they will be underdogs in one. They'll be underdogs, Georgia, Tennessee, Texas, LSU at home, possibly, depending on whatever transfers Lane Kiffin brings in that year, Ole Miss at home. They will definitely, though, be underdogs of four of those eight games. Oh, easily, easily. I don't know whether or not to set the over-under at four and a half or three and a half for Florida next year for SEC wins. And, I mean, you know, four and a half in 2024. Four and a half, I think you easily bet the under, but three and a half, I'll set it at three and a half because four and a half, I think you bet under. Three and a half, I'm not so sure you bet the over. Honestly. All right. South South Carolina to me is another loser in, in the draw. Home, LSU, Ole Miss. Again, Ole Miss is going to be the X factor as long as Lane Kiffin is riding the transfer train, which he's going to continue to do. Missouri's nothing great. Texas A&M, you would think, would get something figured out or have a new coach. I don't know. Those are the home games. Away, Alabama, Kentucky, Oklahoma, and Vanderbilt so I, I wasn't if I'm South Carolina fan I'm not crazy about that draw you I'm not crazy about it but I, again it's it's nowhere close to what Alabama and Florida are dealing with I mean it's not even in the same stratosphere it's probably they could have gotten a worse a, a better draw but look they don't have to play Georgia which is a yearly rivalry dating back to as somebody pointed out the 1940s I think SC Scott guys that and they get that off the off the slate but and, and they do get to play Vanderbilt, Oklahoma. I keep saying Oklahoma is the better draw than Texas. You would rather play Oklahoma on the road than Texas at home next year, no matter what SEC school you are. No, nope, I agree. And then Texas A&M I've got as another uh, loser that – No, that was, I think that was a mistake. Didn't we have Texas A&M as a winner? Oh, no, 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 no. Texas okay. A&M is a winner. Excuse me. Texas A&M is a winner. I had Oklahoma – as another loser, home, Alabama, South Carolina, Tennessee, and then Texas is the neutral site game. Away, Auburn, LSU, Ole Miss, Missouri. Youch. Yeah. That's uh, Hugh Freeze's second Hugh Freeze's second year at Auburn. That on the road. That they're an underdog in that one right now. They're going to be an underdog at Ole Miss, and they're going to be an underdog at LSU. And they're going to be an underdog at home against Tennessee and Alabama. And they're going to be an underdog in five of their eight games. Just I, I can tell you that right off the bat. It's brutal. All right, coming up. Did the SEC look out for Texas and Oklahoma? We'll get into that. Also, I want to remind you that uh, we'll get to uh, Joey Halsley leaving uh, Tennessee and not getting a lot of respect. No, not leaving uh, for, Tennessee. Just or getting, uh, excuse me, getting promoted and not getting a lot of respect. For Don't want to get caught breaking news here. <laughs> Yes, no, he has not left. He has not left. He just promoted his <laughs> offensive coordinator when he probably could have left Tennessee for other coaching jobs, but he didn't get a lot of props for that. I'm not surprised, but we'll get to that. And that's brought to you by Bassey Lawn and Garden Man Alive. It's worth the drive. Go to Bassey.com. They have the buying power to help you out with those industrial and commercial mowers from Nashville, Chattanooga, or Knoxville. Man Alive, it's worth the drive. Toro, count on it. Two minutes did the SEC Look out for the other teams that are joining the conference, which, of course, would be Oklahoma and Texas. Two minutes, and we'll be back with you. Off the Hook Sports with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hogan. Family has been creating jewelry since 1986, each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler. 
and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasty Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasty, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasty's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasty Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get cut, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. So we're going to get to Joey Halsley and what the national media thinks of Josh Heupel promoting him to offensive coordinator. I will go ahead and tell you before we get into it deep that it's not going to be an overwhelming response. I can promise you that because hiring from within doesn't have a big splash. And that's just a fact. That's essentially where you are. But first uh, I want to get to the topic at hand and that is the schedule coming out. So I ask you this question. Did the SEC look out for Texas and Oklahoma? Yeah, when you when you have a party, when you have a get together and you have new people that join your circle of friends, you make sure they're comfortable. You bring them into the fold and introduce them to everyone. Did the SEC look out for Texas and Oklahoma? Oklahoma home has Alabama, South Carolina, Tennessee and the neutral site game at Texas. Oklahoma away, Auburn, LSU, Ole Miss, Missouri, Texas, home, Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, Mississippi State, road, Texas A&M, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, and then Oklahoma in Dallas. Did the SEC look out for Texas and Oklahoma, or should they have? Certainly didn't look out for Oklahoma, but they, they looked <laughs> they, they, they certainly did look out for Texas. Uh, I think they'd look out for Texas. I think... There's a few things that go into this. Again, part of it is coaching. Brett Venables 
is even if he gets the program going, is not going to have a it's not going to be a fun program as a defensive minded coach. Whereas I think a lot of the college football world and the SEC world and a lot of people we know, Dave, really want Steve Sarkeesian to do well. There's just a lot of there's a lot of joy in that. Plus, there's the Arch Manning factor. They want Arch Manning to be successful, and so I think I could have seen them looking out for Texas. And but but there's it, it's clear they didn't look out for Oklahoma. I mean, heck, Texas is one of Oklahoma's home games this year, and it's in Dallas. Yes. Why do you think that? people want Steve Sarkeesian to do else because he had a little bump in the road back at Southern California. Yeah. I think the bump in the road, and it seems like he's very well respected in the college football coaching circles. I think a lot of people in the coaching circles have, have a lot of respect. Um, and because of that, he's the, he's almost like the anti Lane Kiffin to a lot of people. That is the offensive mind, but maybe more likable. I, I think yeah. there's a lot of coaches that are there are at least a dozen if not two dozen that hope that he fails miserably. Um, really? Because, because I think they want his gig. Well, I think, yes, that's Urban yeah, Meyer. <laughs> I, right. But I think it's more than Urban Meyer. I think there might be a Lane Kiffin out there that would be very interested. I think there are some other guys that would be interested. Hey, it's Texas. And I'm not saying Josh Heupel would be interested, but if, if Texas came to him and said, you have now, you've mastered the NIL and you have more NIL money at Texas. Again, I think Josh Heupel is very committed to Tennessee. I think almost every coach would listen. Uh, Nick Saban during his great run at Alabama listened and they offered him a hundred million dollars for 10 years, way before Jimbo Fisher got that deal. So I think there are a lot of coaches that would like to see Steve Sarkeesian stumble. Um, I think there are probably a half dozen coaches that hope he's the Jeremy Pruitt. What do I mean by that? Jeremy Pruitt brought in a, a lot of good talent to Tennessee. He may have had a pay to do that, but he did it. And Tennessee is now benefiting off of that, Caleb. So I think there are a lot of coaches that hope that hope he's that guy. I hope he's and 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 I gotta be honest with you, if you made me bet, I would say he probably is that guy. I don't know that Steve Sarkeesian is gonna hoist a national championship trophy. Do you see that out of him? No, I think he's massively overrated as a head coach, quite honestly. I just think he's better than Brent Venables. But I don't think he's going to Texas. And I also think Texas is an overrated job. I mean, it's not – you're competing with five, six other Power 5 schools in your home state, plus Oklahoma and Oklahoma State come in to get guys. Texas kids aren't as committed to staying in Texas as other states. And Texas football recruits are – they're overrated. Uh, they do tend to be overrated, and they don't. And, and really, the one that the ones that Texas wants or Texas A and M, they tend to do a really good job. The guys that go elsewhere, Tennessee has a long history. I could spend an hour talking about prospects out of Texas that didn't do well at Tennessee for whatever reason, a multitude of reasons, from drugs to competition to whatever. Uh, but as far as uh, Oklahoma, I look at Brent Venables, and when I look at Brent Venables and Steve Sarkeesian, I don't know that the SEC got tougher in the short term. It got better. It got more notoriety by adding two very storied programs, but is it really any tougher than it was before Texas and Oklahoma were announced? As of 2024, 
2025-2026, the three years that they'll be in the conference. Is it that much tougher, really? Not when you're still playing eight conference games. No. I mean, let's – and also factoring in – here, let's ask the real question. The SEC has been doing eight conference games since 1992 when the division split – when the conference is split to 12 teams. Is the SEC any tougher than the last time it was at 12 teams? Not just 14, but is it any tougher than it was before it added Missouri and Texas A&M? I would argue it might be a little worse right now than it was back in 2011. Yeah, that's fair. I, I mean, you love the notoriety if you're the SEC. You love the fact that you brought in two programs that combined have more panache than UCLA and Southern California, which the Big Ten brought up. But at the at the end of the day, um, I would if you brought in Southern Cal and UCLA, to me, that is a greater challenge short term than Texas and Oklahoma because of Lincoln Riley. Now, that may not be the and case. Chip Kelly. And Chip Kelly. That may not be the case five, ten years from now. But right now, I think they're a, a tougher matchup, those two programs, than Texas and Oklahoma. I do, too. The only the only caveat I would say with this, and this is going to be tested, Dave, Big Ten fans have said for years, and we've never really tested it, but they have said for years, and I'm sure you've heard it when we talk about the SEC speed, they say it's a totally different game in the upper Midwest. You guys don't understand speed doesn't translate to the cold, so the Big Ten schools can't run, can't play the same speed type of game. We're going to find that out very quickly with USC playing at Michigan or playing at Ohio State or playing at, at these Midwestern schools. If what the Big Ten has said for so long is true, that speed slows down in the cold. Yep, absolutely. I agree with that. It's time for today's tough question. We're going to go a little bit off script, but I want to throw this at you and get your thoughts. Today's tough question is right now, and it's brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. All right, your thoughts on the message board. When we are sitting down having this discussion 10 years from now, who will be the bigger rival? Will it be Oklahoma or will it be Texas? I ask you. I'm not going to say they're rivals because they already have Tennessee has more rivals than any school I know. They've got Alabama, Vanderbilt, Georgia, Kentucky thinks they're a rival. I mean, they have a ton of, quote, rivals. But when I look at this edition, I think Oklahoma, because of the hypel tie, might, and the fact that they've played a couple times and you've done the checkerboard stuff kind of like Oklahoma, I think that Oklahoma actually will be the bigger rival over the UT schools, which I know is is a big deal to a lot of people. I think the Oklahoma thing has uh, has a lot of excitement to it, maybe more so than Texas right now. Am I off base on that? Yeah, it has more excitement now. So over the next 10 years, assuming Oklahoma gets its act together, which they may or may not do, Oklahoma is going to be the bigger rival. But over the course of 50 years, I mean, you know, rivalries, great rivalries are like 50, 60, 70 years old. I don't know if Oklahoma can outdo Texas. Think about it this way. I, I came up in the 90s. I barely remembered Alabama being the rival. I remember Florida. I remember Florida being Tennessee's biggest rival. And I mean, I remember being a kid thinking like, this is how it's going to be forever. Florida's Tennessee, Florida is it. 
And now Tennessee, Florida, I mean, we're not going to be that shocked when Florida comes off the schedule on a regular basis in two years. And so that, because what we realized is that was dependent, that rivalry was nothing but a result of the situations in college football in the nineties with a former Tennessee guy coaching Florida, dominating, taking shots at Tennessee and Peyton Manning at Tennessee. So those factors made it a rivalry, but it's not a rivalry that, that what we're talking about with Oklahoma is it's dependent on one thing, Josh Heupel staying at Tennessee or not going to Oklahoma. Well, and the other thing with these rivalries uh, or series that is exciting, and I don't know that they'll become rivals, but you have a guy named Arch Manning at Texas. And don't think that that, if he's the starter in 2024, that's going to be brought up each and every uh, time that Tennessee and Texas play into the future. Um, So, I mean, I, that is exciting to me. I, I assume it, at some point they, they would play and that he would be the starter. But And you have the hypo thing at Oklahoma. You have some great storylines. I don't know if they'll become rivals, but short-term, you got great storylines. Yeah, amazing storylines short-term. And that's another one. That's something that you're right might actually make UT the bigger, or Texas the bigger rivalry short-term than even Oklahoma is because Arch Manning. Tennessee got lucky in the early 2000s. They never had to play Eli Manning when Eli was at Ole Miss and had they had to, they would have had to see Peyton Manning show up in an, you know, rooting for Ole Miss, which would have been a really big gut punch to them the way it was to Ole Miss fans. When Ark and Olivia had to show up in Memphis in 1996 and root for Tennessee against Ole Miss when Peyton Manning was at Tennessee. That's pretty good. And- do we, do we know what's happening after 2024? We really have no idea. Tennessee could be at Texas or Tennessee could be hosting Texas, right? In 2025. Yeah, we have we have no idea. We don't even know what type of we don't know if the SEC is gonna we don't know if this is gonna be where the SEC stays at. Look, there's still a lot of talk. I don't know if you guys know about there's a lot if you listen to Florida State Twitter and if you listen to Florida State media, they're convinced they're gonna be in the SEC in two years. They are thoroughly convinced that it's happening. Interesting. So do either of these become rivals that, okay, so let's do either of these surpass Florida, Alabama for the older people out there, 70 plus Vanderbilt as rivals. I mean, if they're not, not, Tennessee doesn't play Florida every year, which is a possibility. Oh yeah. That rivalry is over. Tennessee's not going to play Florida every year. That's done. So unfortunate. Yeah. So do they supplant Florida? Do either of these supplant Florida as a rival? Do they even supplant Kentucky as a pseudo rival? Where do they, they fall in the pecking order? They 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 one of them could become a t- on 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 a tier with Florida as a pseudo rival. We would say Tennessee's year. No matter Tennessee's two yearly rivals that are going to be most important to keep are Vanderbilt and Alabama. That's the ones that everybody that the SEC has to keep two. They're keeping those two. If they pick a third, it's either going to be Kentucky or South Carolina. It'll be one of those two. So it's yeah, Alabama is the one that look, they played over a hundred times. They first met in 1901, the two most prestigious programs in the SEC. That's that's going to be the one that they have to keep. That's probably the third or fourth most protected rivalry in the sec there's auburn alabama florida georgia tennessee alabama and Ole miss mississippi state and texas and oklahoma i'm just saying that however you figure out this schedule if you have permanent opponents or however that works out 
if you kept Tennessee and Texas together for long enough, talking eight to 10 years, you would make that a rivalry. Oh, absolutely you would. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question. By the way, the biggest rivalry in the SEC, we all know it's Vanderbilt, Kentucky, right? It's huge. <laughs> there's no stopping Vanderbilt, Kentucky. Uh, Jacob Warren, by the way, what do people need to do? Because it's a busy day and sometimes I forget to say it. What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. Okay, so I'll ask you this. Who's most likely to be a rival? And it's brought to you by Andy Mason, AndyMasonRealEstate.com. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. There's no rivaling. Huh? See what I did there? Uh, ah, Andy Mason. Yeah, that's pretty good. When it comes to real estate in East Tennessee, best prices, best service, go to AndyMasonRealEstate.com. You'll absolutely love Andy and what he can do for your family, save you thousands or tens of thousands of dollars on your real estate needs, Andy Mason, realestate.com. So out of the two long to short term, long term, who's most likely to become a rival, Texas or Oklahoma to Tennessee? Well, there's two short terms. There's 10 year short term and short, short, like three year short term. I'm going and five and 25. Those are my parameters for you. Okay. Five years. I'll go Texas because Arch Manning will be gone in five years. So I'll go Texas and, so five I'm talking years. about within I'm, the I'm, next five years. Oh, sorry. Next five. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Five years ago, Oklahoma, because Arch Manning will be gone within the next five years. The hypo Oklahoma storyline will not be gone within the next five years, particularly if Oklahoma comes calling one day to the hypo. Okay. I agree with that. So I'm going to go Oklahoma short term in 25 years. Will Texas, Tennessee be a rivalry? No, because they won't play each other every year. Neither of these is going to be rivalries. It's just Texas will be a bigger rivalry than Oklahoma. But Tennessee's not playing Texas every year. Unless college football changes and decides to do 15 regular season games a year, which, I mean, I'm fine with that. Let's do it. I mean, if you're going to push one, give me one rivalry right now. I guess A&M Texas now that they're together again. So A&M Texas or A&M Oklahoma, that puts back to the old Southwest Conference days. So other than that, what other rivalry, if you're the SEC, would you like to see grow out of this new schedule, this new conference realignment? To me, oh, they're going to try to get Texas. They're going to try to get A and M and LSU to grow. They've been trying to make that happen mm. for a long time, and they they're still working on that. So it, it's like it's it's they're trying to make that happen the way Gretchen tried to make Fetch happen in Mean Girls. Okay, so it's, love uh, that movie. Do not remember any of their names. Two minutes and why Joey Halsley kind of got the short end of the stick, uh, which is unfortunate because he's a darn good coach. But that happens when you promote from within. The top coaching additions in the SEC and beyond via a national publication. Give me two minutes. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. And Craving Wings South North Shore location where we've heard people say that you can get the best wings in East Tennessee. Pero quién es este? El número 87, Jacob Warren. I'll just do six of my sauce 87, please. Imposible, señorita. Dale seis más. Look at these wings. Perfectas, deliciosas, fantásticas. Man, I don't know what you're saying, but it sounds awesome. How do you say fresh, never frozen in Spanish? Frescas, nunca congeladas. Make your way to Craving Wings and get you seis más. But what was funny about Cadiz, we were a full continuum of care at that time. We had detox, we had inpatient, we had outpatient. So we were doing a lot of the things that we do now. 
but now we just do them so much better. It's really a simple program, but it's, we're complicated people. I am what I am, and now I gotta do something about it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasty Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasty, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassies, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. My God, D's calling some of y'all out. Only one like so far. What gives? This is really good content. D, it's on me. I forget to say it. Hit the like button, the thumbs up button right now so we can bring more people in. I would greatly appreciate that. And why Joey Halsley kind of got snubbed a, a little bit. Uh, this upcoming segment brought to you by Zen Sports. Go to Zen Sports and download their app. And Zen Sports, we're so happy to be partnered with them. They're the new sports book in Tennessee revolutionizing the way that you earn sports betting rewards. They've got cash rewards. You bet with real money, and now you are rewarded with it too. You can get a 5% cash back welcome bonus for your first 15 days when you sign up with the code HOOKED. Use HOOKED. Don't forget that. Keep betting and keep earning every month after that 3% cash back rewards on your betting volume. The cash is back with Zen Sports gambling problem? Call 1 800 889 9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 and over and in Tennessee to bet. So, Joey Halsey gets promoted from within. I think it's a good sign for Tennessee's football program that they want to bring people up in the coaching staff. However, it doesn't get you a lot of love nationally. And there was an article recently about coaching additions and moves throughout the SEC and beyond. And Caleb, Joey Halsey didn't get much love. Your thoughts? Yes. So this was naming the 23 biggest impact hires in coaching by 247 Sports, just in general, 23 biggest impact hires. And it could be head coaches and assistants. And Joey Halsley was left off. I think he was left off because a lot of people believe this is Josh Heupel's offense. So they don't, their thought process is things aren't going to change much with Joey Halsley in there. So it's not an impact, good or bad. So a few names he had on here from the SEC, just to give you guys a little bit of context. Liam Cohen at Kentucky. I'd have to argue that that is a bigger 
higher. I mean, Mark Stoops is a defensive guy. Kentucky had a big drop off last year without Liam Cohen. So I, I have to argue that is a bigger deal than, than Joey Halsley and uh, a few others. You look at uh, funny enough, Alex Golish to become USF head coach is on here, but Bobby Petrino to Texas A&M again, that's a bigger assistant hire. That's a bigger impact assistant hire than Joey Halsley, not for the better, but it, it is going to have a bigger impact in general. And then Tommy Reese to Alabama. Look, half the reason I don't believe in Alabama long-term is because I don't think Tommy, I don't think Tommy Reese was the best hire possible as far as an assistant goes and not even on here, but I think Mike Bobo to Georgia and Danny knows to South Carolina are negative, are, are bigger impact hires, but in the negative way. So I think that what they see with Hosley is there's no really change in direction one way or the other with, with the hire of Joey Hosley. So give me the give me the rest of the ones your your thoughts of the the guys that stand out to you in in terms of good hires not so great hires across the um the ones that are ahead yes okay so sticking with the SEC Liam Cohen Kentucky good hire I think that's a good hire they they needed him back struggled a lot last year without him even though Mel Kiper thought Will Levis like a Heisman contender last year without that that's beside the point <laughs> after i think that's a good hire but i'm sorry dan enos was to arkansas excuse me dan enos to arkansas not a good hire i think that's that hire i think you're going to see sam Pittman start to struggle even more with that hire mike bobo to georgia it's a bad hire i'm going to say i'm not even going to say not a good hire that's a bad hire from todd munkin to mike bobo massive drop off well, now you've gotten a little you've gotten a little pushback on that, and and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say this about Bobo, <clears throat> they had a pretty good offense at Colorado State. Are we too easily dismissing Bobo because he is more of a traditional type of coach than maybe a Josh Heupel or a Sonny Dykes or a Lincoln Riley? I don't think so. I I really don't. I I think the offense at Colorado State was actually really, really overrated. If you look at the numbers, Jim McElwain's offense was much better when he was at Colorado State before Mike Bobo was hired to replace him. And so, I mean, we're talking, you know, his first year there, I'm pulling it up. His first year there, they had the 58th offense, they had the 28th offense, the 31st offense. One year they had the 108th ranked offense and then the 71st offense. So they never had a top 25 offense at Colorado State. And I, I... I know it's more traditional, but when you're at that lower level, if you're an offensive mind, you should have a top 25 offense nationally. You just should. And so I, I, I really question Mike Bobo's abilities as a coach. And by the way, Mike Bobo was the offensive coordinator when Will Muschamp got fired. So there's that. No, I mean, I think Mike Bobo is a solid hire, um, but he's just not a spectacular hire. Oh, I think he's uh, a bad hire. I'm bad going all together. Okay. Bad altogether. Tennessee fans should love the fact that Georgia hired him. Yeah, and Travis points out, I see a picture of Michael Wayne with a shark. Yeah, I can't really ever get over that as well, which is a troubling image. I trust the shark to be an offensive coordinator over Mike Bobo. The actual shark or Michael Wayne? The actual shark. The, shark. the actual shark. <laughs> the actual shark. So with, with Joey Halsley, let, let's take a look at that hire for a second we all kind of jump on board and say everything's going well that um, sure. That's a great hire, hire from within. It makes a lot of sense, 
But are we oversimplifying that at all, Caleb? Should Josh Heupel have gone outside of his sphere and looked for another coach that could add things to what Tennessee is currently doing? No, I don't think so. He knows his offense and he knows what he wants to run and no one's caught up with it yet. He should just stick with it. And Josh Heupel, Josh Heupel promotes from within in a way that Fulmer tried to promote from within, but I don't really think Fulmer knew what he was doing a lot of times when he promoted from within. I think Fulmer would promote it out of loyalty over out of qualifications. Again, I go back to the Randy Sanders moment where I'm like, yeah, I know you want to promote from within, but you should have known that Randy Sanders is not an offensive coordinator. You should have known that from the start. He was a running backs coach. And I think Josh Heupel knows the roles for the guys he promotes from within. Well, I definitely think that Philip Fulmer should have known. I I thought at the time Randy Sanders was a very good hire. I, again, I look at Joey Halsley, and I think that elevating him to that position of the offensive coordinator makes a lot of sense. To bring somebody else in when it's Josh Heupel's offense makes zero sense to me. We're joined by a very special guest. Mark Thomas joins us now with Zen Sports. Mark, how are you, sir? Good. How are you, Dave? How are you, Caleb? We're, Pretty good. We're doing, how you doing? We're doing fantastic. So, uh, we're, we're so excited to work with you guys at Zen Sports, and you say you're revolutionizing the sports gambling business, which you truly are. We're going to talk about peer-to-peer down the line, and that's coming later this summer. But where do you feel like Zen Sports and, and their niche was in this very crowded gambling arena? What, what, what was your goal? What did you want to bring to the table? Right. So a few things. So first of all, um, if you look at a lot of the traditional sports betting operators uh, that are out there, a lot of the technology stack and user experiences are, are, are really old. I mean, they're some of them are 15, 20, 25 years old. Um, and a lot of this has just kind of been stuff bolted on top of stuff bolted on top of stuff bolted. And, you know, from a customer perspective, a user experience perspective that that's just not ideal. Uh, and so, you know, we built our product in the last few years. So, you know, we have really fresh technology. Uh, we optimize for things like loading time and speed, et cetera. Um, but that aside, I think the bigger opportunities here are one on the loyalty and reward side. So I think the way the industry is doing it right now with upfront bonuses and then not much thereafter is wrong. And we can talk more about how we're doing things. Uh, I, I think secondly, um, you know, just the, the level of customer support and the frustrations that you see, for example, on Twitter or social media with customers um, not being able to get a hold of somebody for two, three, four, five days, um, a support ticket that goes into some big black hole and never hear from them again. Uh, I think the whole shift in mindset for support in this industry needs to completely do a 180. Uh, and then lastly, uh, while again, is it's not ready or not been approved yet, um, technology wise, it's ready. I think on the peer-to-peer and social side of things, I think there's a huge opportunity to fill in gaps where maybe traditional bookmakers may not either have appetite uh, for providing certain bet types, may not, uh, from a risk standpoint, um, be able to provide certain bet types. And then just from a social perspective, um, you know, might not be as much fun as betting with friends or colleagues um, or being able to create your own bets with your own odds and terms. So I think when you package all those things together, better, new, refresher tech, loyalty rewards, customer support, um, and social slash peer-to-peer types of betting. I think when you look at all those combined, I think that is the future, and that's what we're really trying to do. Mark Thomas of Zen Sports. And Mark, also, you guys really focused on Tennessee. When I first started talking to you guys, I thought, 
you know, this is nationwide, but you're you're focused on the state of Tennessee. Why? Well, so first of all, we are a smaller company. We are a startup, if you will. Uh, we're about 20 people. Uh, so we definitely are going up against some big Goliath type of uh, operators and competitors uh, that are, for the most part, worth many billions of dollars. So uh, I think it's really important when you're early on to have laser, laser focus. Um, and if you look at, for example, companies like Uber or Airbnb, how they got started, they focused really on one market and just really, really making that happen and, and doing truly amazing in that one spot. And then there's certainly obviously opportunities for expansion after that. So instead of spreading ourselves too thin and try to go and do too much at one time, you know, Tennessee is a top 10 sports betting market, you know, in handle and revenue. It's been doing great ever since it launched a couple of years ago, you know, really go knock that out of the park. And then we can certainly look at expanding to other markets, but we, we really want to go into one market focus on that. And Tennessee um, is they're, they're truly amazing from a, a technology perspective. They're very forward thinking. Uh, they want to work with startups like us. Uh, the Sports Wagering Advisory Council is very friendly and easy to work with. Uh, and as mentioned before, top 10 in, in, in revenue and handle. So you package that all up together. It really was the first best first state for us to go into. Nice. Mark, uh, do you think one of the reasons for that, how, how much interest do you guys do you notice in gambling and college football compared to other sports? It seems like there's, at least for me, even covering sports, there just seemed to be such a bigger interest in college football. And I want to know what yeah. that is, you think. Yeah, I think that's certainly part of it, but there's still other states, you know, like in the SEC, like, you know, with uh, like Mississippi or, or whatnot, where sports betting handle still is not as big as it is in Tennessee. Um, I mean, uh, I, I think that might be a little part of it. I also just think um, uh, the, in Tennessee, it, it seems like, you know, every time I've been there and I've you know, been there several times in the last few months since I've been traveling, everyone there just seems to have a very open mind to, you know, this type of entertainment. Uh, whereas you go like, for example, I lived in California for 20 years and they shot down both propositions and with really low voting turnout. And you would think, you know, California, very, very liberal, very open to stuff. But actually, when you dig into the weeds, people there, no, they, they, they like the way they, that things are. So I think it's also a bit of a cultural thing uh, and, and, and mindset, if you will. Um, but certainly the, the types of betting um, certainly have something to do with it. But I think overall, folks in Tennessee, um, citizens, residents there are, are very just interested in this type of entertainment. And I think they also understand that it is entertainment. They look at it as such. Um, and so I think that's a big part of it as well, too. Mark, great stuff. And then the continued uh, cash back rewards, you, you you referenced that earlier. How will Zen Sports be different than other apps and gambling platforms? Yeah, so we do a few different things. So uh, first off, I'll talk about a referral bonus program. So you can actually uh, take a referral code that, you get assigned to yourself when you sign up for a Zen Sports account. It's a six-digit code that doesn't change, stays the same. You share that out with friends, family, your social media networks. Anyone that signs up with your referral code, you get a percentage of their betting handle, uh, 3% for the first six months. And they get an a unlimited welcome bonus of 5% of their betting handle for the first 15 days. So both sides are incentivized to both share out the referral codes as well as redeem the referral codes. Um, so it's, it's a really great way to like spread the word about Zen sports and actually receive something real for your, uh, for your advocacy. 
the second thing is, as I mentioned, the welcome bonus. So we do things a little differently. We bonus you based on your handle um, instead of just like, oh, deposit $100 or deposit $500 and get $500. Um, with us, you can actually earn way, way more than that if you actually play during your first 15 days. And then that kind of leads me into our, our larger wealth, uh, our larger loyalty program, where every single month you can earn cash back bonuses based on your betting volume, based on your handle, uh, up to 2% cash back based on your betting volume, and then up to another 1% if you choose to leave your funds in Zen Sports and not withdraw them. Um, so we're really rewarding loyalty, sticking with Zen Sports, uh, keeping your play with us, um, wanting to use Zen Sports, spreading the word about Zen Sports. We believe that with us, you will have the ability to earn way, way, way more over time um, and every single month than you would compared to, you know, a one quick hit type of bonus that you might get signing up for some other product. Nice. And people can use the promo code hooked, uh, the promo code hooked uh, as part of off the hook sports. And if, if they use that promo code, then what do they receive, Mark? If you can just kind of lay that out for everybody. So in the first 15 days, they get 5% of their betting volume back um, unlimited. So if they don't use the promo code, then it's capped at $250 in terms of the bonus. So, you know, we have some people that come in and they'll bet, you know, three, four, 500 bucks a day, you know, over the course of, you know, 15 days, you know, that can really add up. Um, and getting 5% of that back is, uh, you know, a nice, a nice win for them on that. Um, it's uncapped uh, if they use your referral code. So um, they get an uncapped welcome bonus, essentially, if they use your referral code versus not using it. Use the promo code hooked, the promo code hooked. Anything else you want to add, Mark? No, I think that's it. Uh, super excited to, to be on the show today. I uh, really appreciate you having me. Excited to be in Tennessee. Uh, excited for our growth there. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the next several months as we uh, as we ramp up. Mark, thanks, buddy. You get to East Tennessee at some point. I think you were in Nashville recently. You get to East Tennessee, I'll show you around, take you to the okay. best... I'll take you to a place you can get the best ribs and that you've oh, ever eaten. How about that? Sounds amazing. I would love that. Love uh, good brisket, ribs, uh, any of that. I am I am down for that anytime. Mark, thank you, sir. Thank you. Have a great day. Have a good one. Mark work. Thomas is in sports. That was great stuff. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. 
a great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.